Welcome to episode 91 of the Untitled Gaming Podcast. My name is Zach, and this week I'm joined by Rick. Rick. And Pat. What's up, everybody? I feel I'm, like I messed up the order. I don't think there ever is an order. Changes every week, because there's, there's someone else hosting. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We are a weekly gaming podcast that aims to entertain as well as inform. We discuss the week's biggest gaming news, game reviews, and impressions, and discuss the gaming industry in general. Of course, we don't only discuss games. We occasionally talk about movies, TV shows. Uh, favorite Super Bowl commercial this year? The Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I'm going to say what the SpaceX commercial that came on right after it, that made me think that it was Fantastic Four. Nothing to do with Fantastic Four. It had a circled four in space. Chance took that as gospel. Like literally the the rest of the night, he's like, "Dude, this is this is totally Fantastic Four. Look, they got the circle. It's Fantastic Four. I'm like, they mentioned nothing about Fantastic Four. <laughs> like I think it was right around <laughs> halftime. I like looked it up and I was like, wait, nope, nope. Yeah, even after you sent, you're like, it's oh, it's just a charity thing for St. Jude. He's like, no, but you know, the, you you can't copyright infringe on their fucking logo. I'm like, that's not their same logo. <laughs> <laughs> Chance was trying to manifest into existence. So, <laughs> Speaking of Chance, for those of you asking where Chance is, we actually don't even know ourselves. Uh, somebody suggested we look for him, but we, you know, it's getting pretty late, so let's just do the podcast. Cool. That sounds good to me. I called all the hospitals. He's not in any of them. I called the morgues. There's like three unidentified bodies, but, you know, I don't have time for that what right now. Fuck? So you're saying there's a chance? Yeah. We're moving on. <laughs> Anyway, so this week we'll be discussing uh, consolidation in the gaming industry. Uh, before we get to what have we been playing, uh, just some housekeeping stuff. We recently posted Pat's review of the medium, uh, so make sure to check that out wherever you can find your podcast. But first, what have you guys been playing? Pat? I finished Hitman 3. I enjoyed the game. Uh, like I was talking about last week, I finally get Hitman, the franchise. Uh, I am a little bit disappointed with the last level, so... Obviously, if you know Hitman, you know each mission is like this big, sprawling, open area that you're exploring, trying to kill the people uh, you have to kill, your targets, without being found. Like, you have to be a silent assassin is like the goal of it. Finding different ways to poison them or cause an accident that kills them or whatever is the fun of that, like, the game itself. The last mission completely changes that, and you are just on a train and you have to get to the front of the train to kill the guy that you're supposed to kill. And there is no exploration or anything. It's like, just get to the front of the train. Uh, there's some parts where you have to go to like on top of the train or like climb out the window and like, but it's, it's like, you can kill anybody you want. It's not going to penalize you for that. And it's just get to the top of the train, which completely is not what that game is about. And yeah, it was a cool like set piece and playing that set piece makes me think like, okay, this this is why they'll make a good Bond game, because it was like the, the train level from Goldeneye, basically. Uh, but it's not Hitman-y, you know? So, a uh, little bit, I wish they would have ended on a higher note, but enjoy the game overall, and, and the game's all about replaying it, and they said they'll be releasing missions with, like, different, you know, um, the same maps, but, like, different missions and different, like, ways to mix up the level. So, I'm still excited. Plus, I have all of the Hitman 1 and 2 content in Hitman 3 that I haven't gone and, like, played. I've played a little bit of Hitman 1, but I am excited to jump into that. And while it's still, like, nothing else has come out yet, really. But uh, I played that. Uh, I've also been playing some games. As you know, it's the uh, Achievement War that we are having. Zach is in last place. I'm not participating. 
Neither is yes, Chan. Yes, you are. No, yes, we're not. Both of you are. <laughs> both no. of you are. Yes, you, you don't are. get Whether to make like that decision. We did not agree I, to this. It's, it's already made. I myself have 10,000 gamer score already, uh, upwards of 10,000. Out of that, there's been a lot of little games I've been playing. Um, there's a game called Fractured Minds that's super interesting that I think everyone should check out. It's it's like not very long at all. It was originally made by a 17 year old for like one of those like competitions where you code a game like within like however many hours or whatever it is. And he basically took that game that he made for that and like added to it to make like a full game called Fractured Minds. And each level deals with a different psychological impairment, like anxiety, like what it's like to go through anxiety and stuff. And it's got like, you know, a message at the end or whatever. It is kind of corny, but an interesting game. That's definitely one to check out. One to completely avoid is uh, Castle of No Escape 1 and 2. The This is probably like the worst games I've ever played. Uh, I played them for gamer score. I have over a thousand gamer score in each of them. Uh, I've only beaten the first one it's very RNG. You're basically moving around on a square and, or you're moving around on a grid on each space in the grid could be a monster. It could be a, a power up or it could be a chest or something, but it's all RNG based. So you could take a step. The first step you take, you could face the final boss and then he'll immediately kill you. And the gameplay is like, you can fight these people or you can just keep running. But sometimes even if you keep running, they'll still kill you. So I played this game for like 20 minutes. I have no idea what was happening, but I eventually beat the final boss and, you know, whatever. But I, I would say avoid that game. And then I've also been playing Mafia Definitive Edition uh, on Xbox Series X. It is just the Xbox One version. They haven't released an update for it. So it's only 30 FPS, which is like the most jarring thing because it's one of the first 30 FPS games I've played in a while. It's it's okay. I the reason I you know, picked it up and started playing it is because everybody's like, this is one of the best video game story like campaigns that have ever been told. So I'm like, fine, I'll check it out if they've updated it and it looks good and stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of driving and the driving is just so like bad. Um, and even like the cover mechanics aren't really like they look great, but they haven't updated the engine completely to make it like, you know, feel like a modern day game. Characters are interesting enough, but it's 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 definitely a dated game. Uh, I haven't beaten that yet, but you know I, I might keep playing it now because there's not much out at the moment. But I'm not I'm not seeing that it's the best campaign story ever told or whatever that people have been saying. So uh, the medium. So I did beat the medium uh, last week or last podcast when I talked about it. It was just I was not quite at the end. I did finish the game. Uh, my review is out. Go listen to my review. I'm not going to go super in depth on it, but I will say that I really want them to continue this franchise. It's a great foundation and the lore that they've created is awesome. And there's that new story that they've made like their budget back, uh, production and marketing budget back already. So clearly the game's a success. Play it on Game Pass if you have it, because it is a really interesting jumping off point and I want them to keep exploring this world. Now, Rick, what about you? It's crazy that you only played that handful of games and you have almost 11,000 achievement points for the month. There's a shit ton of games I didn't talk about because they were not great. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we started the achievement war, which uh, Zach is, uh, as we mentioned, losing uh, like terribly. Not um, participating. <laughs> so I went back and I cleaned up on uh, Donut County. Uh, that has, that's an easy 
straight up thousand like G's like right there. And then um, went and tackled some uh, Telltale games that I kind of set aside last year when the Achievement War ended. Uh, finally finished Wolf Among Us, which is amazing. It's so amazing that I went out and bought a couple of the graphic novels. Then I started on uh, Tales from the Borderlands, which is amazing. It's my favorite Borderlands game. Oh my god, it has, what, uh, Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Has, uh, uh, has Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, yeah. Chris Hardwick. It was just like, and then... um. There's two like cronies, and they're voiced by the guy who voiced Lee in The Walking Dead. I think it's uh, Fo- Phony. I don't know, I'm trying to remember his last name. As Dave well- Finoy? Yeah, Dave Finoy. As well as uh, the guy who voiced uh, Bigby in Wolf Among Us. That was just that was that was a really fun game. It does tie into the rest of the Borderlands games, but I've never really like I've started Borderlands three, but I've never really like played it too much. But like that contained story that's like the only exposure i've had to borderlands is still like an awesome experience yeah i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it so much that like the whole times i was like i just want to be playing borderlands right now so uh right now uh 2k has a publisher sale on uh the xbox store or the microsoft store so um i was able to get one two and uh the borderlands pre-sequel for like 20 bucks and that one's like the uh like the definitive edition of one so it has all the all the bells and whistles. Patrick Warburton. That's Patrick the Warburton. Boss. Yeah, he was Vasquez. Yeah. Oh. And then Nolan North is August. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was just that, like so many good voice actors in there. And then um, so yeah, I bought some Borderlands games. I'm really excited about those, and they were cheap as hell. But they're still not Telltale games. I'm trying to get all my Telltales over with. Kind of tortoise in the herring, catching up with Pat. Hopefully, probably not. Jesus Christ, he got ten thousand and three days like what the fuck i'm shooting to get to hundred thousand total so i need like seven thousand more by the end of the month <laughs> it's doable but it's gonna take a lot of work and um what a uh, couple nights i started a couple nights ago i started uh, uh minecraft story mode which is also a telltale game about minecraft uh, nice you're gonna have to let me know how that is because that's like one of the only ones i haven't played yet and honestly like the voice actors for that one i noticed that a couple people sounded familiar but i was like no way they have like the money for like Patton oswalt or like brian pusain and then i realized yep that's Patton oswalt and that's brian pusain <laughs> and um ashley johnson is in there uh martha uh plipton she was in uh she was in the goonies she was in raising hope like yeah i've seen her around quite a bit paul rubens is uh like the enemy like like one of the main bad guys billy west uh cory feldman like a lot of nice. crazy actors that are in this Minecraft game. And I'm like, you know, usually when the wife walks in the room, I kind of pause it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not playing Minecraft. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult, but <laughs> I just keep resuming. It's, it's fun. It's funny. It's a great experience. I'm really enjoying it. And then, uh, yeah, I have a couple more telltale games that I'm probably going to get to in the next couple weeks. Just try to bump up that achievement score. Uh, that's what I've been up to. Zach. Oh, yeah, so I have not been participating in the Achievement War, contrary to what you guys are saying. Yes, he is. I've basically just been playing, um, I got back into Apex a little bit, so I've been playing that, um, and then uh, some Rocket yeah. League. And- Chance Chance feels really betrayed that you played Apex without him. 
<laughs> my, my other friends had invited me to a party. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll play some Apex. I don't know why he's feeling betrayed. He didn't invite me to play. Well, he like Apex is his thing, and he's like, oh, I guess he doesn't hate Apex. He just hates me that he's not. No, I still hate Apex. Like they just like been playing it. Like, okay. <laughs> if he wants to play Apex. He can invite me to play Apex. So yeah, that's basically all I've been playing. Yeah. What's the news? What's the news? Not slow news. So. Not Slow News 2.0. So this is where we uh, each bring like a recent news story to the group to discuss uh, within a five-minute limit. It's not fast, but it's not slow either. All right, so we'll start with NCAA because it's the one I'm most excited about. So they announced that NCAA football is like coming back, everybody. It's going to be amazing. I'm super pumped about it. Uh, obviously what makes this, you think it's going to be amazing? Uh, I mean, even if it is shit it's going to be amazing because it hasn't existed for so long <laughs> like it can't be garbage it's been so long it'll be the, it'll be the best-selling game of all time when was the last time it came out nca 14 okay so it'll be nca 14 the same game with minor improvements no it will not be that <laughs> so much has changed since NCA. regardless of what happens with like the the level of the game this will be i predict the greatest selling video game ever it's not gonna have. It's not. It doesn't just have like a niche following. There's gonna be so many people who want to play this game. I mean, if you say so. I will pizza bet it. I'm that confident. I will double or pizza nothing bet pizza that bet other it. people are gonna play this game. No, no, no. You? That'll be the greatest. I guess that's too much to keep track of, isn't it? Because it just has like a perpetual cycle. It eventually. I mean, if you want to bet on Metacritic score. No, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna bet on ninety plus. Is that what you're saying? Because I don't think it'll. I didn't be say it would be the best that. video game ever. I said it's gonna be the best selling video game ever. You you think it's going to outsell Call of Duty? I bet you right now it yes. will not sell. It will yes. not outsell Call of Duty that year. Yes, it will. Hundred percent. It one hundred percent will outsell Call of Duty. Whatever year it comes out, it will not outsell that year's Call of Duty. It That's will the out, bet. That yes, yes. It okay. will outsell. <laughs> so, yes. All right, I will beat bet you right now, Zach. I, I, I I'm right. totally for it. it. Will outsell Call of Duty? Absolutely. It's been like. Are a, you insane? Are you insane? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. This guy is fucking insane. You're insane. You don't know how much people have been waiting for NCAA football. It's been, it has been years. It's going to be basically a decade from like, assuming it, it goes on like a two year development cycle or three year development cycle or whatever. So yeah, so that was amazing. Obviously that's subject to NCAA licensing and stuff like that. But the fact that EA tweeted that is huge. Refresh my memory. They're still not paying players, right? So there, there's yeah. the possibility that the they could be no. reimbursed for their likenesses. No, because like they're actually trying to do that in california and that would be like the first domino to fall they're the furthest along it's not um, gonna happen doing that so you never know you never know um, i know i know people i know no 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 that was the biggest thing that was the reason the game stopped being made is because pay players couldn't be paid for their likenesses and even if the players didn't like look like them like everyone knew who oh like the running back on ohio state everyone knew like that was whoever it was at that time um so like that's the thing like the stats need to come from somewhere otherwise you're just making up fake people but they said it's going to have their licensed stadiums and like mascots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the players are all going to be procedurally generated. I mean, they've done that before. Yeah. That's what they said they're doing now. Well, they have to do that. And then eventually if players do get reimbursed, then they can put them in there. I think, I, I think that eventually players will get reimbursed. I don't think so. Cause if you reimburse them for a video game, then schools now have to reimburse them for playing. And that's never going to happen. Like, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> like, I don't think so. But yeah, I mean, that took longer than what, however long it was supposed to go. Do we even start a timer for this one? I know. I was, I'm looking. There's this website where you can, like, it's GameSpot, actually. GameSpot has 
pictures of comparison between Mass Effect, the original, and Mass Effect, the legendary edition, where you get get a slider and you can move it back and forth. So I've literally been doing that this so entire time. You were not paying attention to you at all, Zach. <laughs> I know he wasn't paying attention. He was making no, shit up when he was talking. I, I was talking. I was conversing. I, I guarantee you I'm going to win this pizza bet. I'll, I'll pizza bet you that I'll win this pizza bet. I already said I'm, I'm so confident. I already said I would double or nothing pizza bet this. I'm that confident that it will outsell right. anything. Like, not just Call of Duty, but like, yes, I will double or nothing pizza bet that it will outsell Call of Duty. That it'll it'll be the best selling game that year. It'll be the best selling game of all time. That is what I'm telling you. Oh my god, this guy <laughs> is insane. You think NCAA, whatever year it is, is going to outsell GTA Five? Yes. 100%. Oh my fucking god, dude. Okay, there's one pizza bet that it won't outsell Call of Duty. That's already done. Yeah. There's another pizza bet that it'll be the best selling game of oh, all time. Oh, but GTA's been on three generations. That's a load of shit. Exactly, uh, but you're saying it'll be the best game, best-selling game of all time. It will not. I even still, people love their NCAA football. No, they don't. Did you say no? They don't. You say <laughs> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess to kind of like round off the the NASA news for me, I, I'm sure I'm over the five minutes at this point, but I don't care. E3 al- uh, announced that they're going to be trying to do the conference digitally this year. They haven't confirmed. I don't think anybody who would be attending. So we're still waiting to see if like Sony. Ubisoft, Microsoft, like, are they going to be present at that? We're not sure yet. I think this is going to be kind of like the make it or break it for E3. I think if they don't attend the digital conference, this could be the end of E3. But that was some big news that kind of that kind of came out. So, uh, yeah, at least we get a, a summertime video game event, hope. But yeah, Rick, would you like to go next? Yes, I would like to go next. So my topic revolves around a lot of uh, casting decisions and video game adaptations. Uh, first of all, let's tackle The Last of Us, who, which had a couple of big announcements this past week as far as who's going to star as Joel and Ellie. Funny enough, both of these people once starred in Game of Thrones. Pedro Pascal has been uh, confirmed to play Joel. He was even talking to my wife and she forgot Pedro Pascal was even in Game of Thrones. <laughs> But definitely been gathering a lot of traction with his role as the Mandalorian, even though you barely ever see his face. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to work out pretty well. Guy's got range. Like, I was firmly behind the camp that they should have cast another Game of Thrones alum to play Joel. Do you know who I'm talking yep. about? Nikolaj. Yes, Coster Waldo. He, he looks the part. I'm not saying he would have done a better job than Pedro Pascal. I think they're both great actors. But... The pictures of him with like the beard and everything and looking like scruffy uh, looked so much like Joel. But Pedro Pascal's a good actor too. So yeah, I just want Jamie Lannister to get more work. You know, he's a very talented. Pedro guy. Pascal's in everything now at this point. <laughs> anyway, all right. And then uh, Bella Ramsey was announced. She is best known for playing Lyanna Mormont towards the end of the Game of Thrones series. Probably one of the better parts about the last season. She will play Ellie. And the upcoming adaptation of HBO's The Last of Us. Yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking like, oh, she doesn't look the part, which I know I just said basically the opposite for, J- for Nicola Costa-Waldo <laughs> yeah. playing Joel. But uh, I think the main thing about Ellie is that she was like scrappy and like punched above her weight class pretty much in the game. And so did Liana Mormont. Like yeah. she commanded screen time from like established actors uh, for like the scenes that she was in in Game of Thrones. So I think she can definitely do like play Ellie well. So I guess um my biggest question to like you guys is how do you think that's going to go as like a uh, television adaptation? Cause I know like the big thing was like 
storytelling in the video game obviously was was done really well so do you think they could build that same kind of like connection because like you're like you know we talked about like you know you're doing the actions and you're playing as the characters and you really build a connection to the characters so do you think that they'll i know hbo is obviously great at like what they do typically but how do you think that's gonna connect from just a television standpoint well i mean hbo is known for their drama so i i definitely think they can can do it with the right you know budget and the right writers like uh it's the the person who did uh chernobyl right the yeah, director Craig Mason. he also yeah. directed he created chernobyl and he's attached to write and executive produce uh this series adaptation yeah but yeah, like HBO knows how to do drama. So I think they can nail that. Uh, the biggest thing would be like, should they do it? Like that story's already out there in game right. form. And I know there's a lot of people who don't game that would be exposed to the HBO show. And like, that was the big thing. Cause it's like the, the story was written that way in the game for a reason. Well, it's going to be an adaption. Yeah. So I mean, it, I guess like, I, like obviously like major events and stuff like that'll probably like be the same. Like, like they're not going to show like, joel moving ellie across the water in a pallet like 17 times like in the show like they're not gonna yeah. do that um but like i wonder how much creative freedom they're gonna get from the the game itself the way the first last of us was set up is like there's sections for each season like there's summer winter fall mm -hmm. spring or whatever so you can totally do that like a couple of episodes dedicated to that i think this would be cool as like a start to the series you do season one is Joel and Ellie's story. And then instead of doing Last of Us Part 2 for season two, completely new set of characters in a completely new location, still going through, you know, the the infection and like the infected are everywhere. It's just somewhere else, some other characters. You do this like gritty drama in this world. You right. can tell other stories with other characters. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really interesting. And that like you you have that first season to get people in, get gamers invested because, because you know, it's it's a story they know and they love. So right. and then kind of just expand on it. Um, and then maybe three, four seasons down the line you come back and you do Joel and like Last of Us Part Two, maybe. All right, but that is not the end. And we'll go by these next part pretty quickly. But uh, a lot of uh, casting decisions on the Borderlands movie. Eli Roth is directing that. Looks like uh, Kate Blanchett will be casted as Lilith. Kevin Hart is Roland. And Jack Black is Claptrap. So there's that's some rhyming going on there. This is like a weird combination of people in here. Jamie Lee Curtis is Dr. Tannis? Yes. A high, like That's a pretty good cast for a uh, video game movie. They, they usually don't have like super stellar casts, which makes me think like they are, you know, they, they do have enough confidence in that script to spend that much money on the budget that movie is either going to be really good or just absolute shit but either way i'm on board to check it out so they got my interest i'm really excited about the borderlands movie i think it's going to be probably gritty and violent but also funny like nice. borderlands yeah just like that really dark humor i think eli roth can do that all right so since our last podcast they pulled back the veil on mass effect legendary edition which is Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, like, remastered for technically last-gen, but still current-gen. So it'll come out May 14th, 2021. Everything is coming out in May this year, apparently. But it's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Uh, it's for PS4 and uh, Xbox One. But they said they are going to have some, sort like, next-gen improvements uh, that'll work with backwards compatibility. So it won't be, like, a strict next-gen version, like a, a current, like, PS5 and Series X version. It'll be, like... You're just playing on backwards compatibility, but it'll be like a little bit better just running on those 
consoles. Everything's going to be 4K 60 FPS. Uh, it's going to include all of the DLC. Uh, the only DLC it's not going to include is a Pinnacle Station DLC for Mass Effect 1 won't be included because the source code got corrupted and they don't have any backup on it, which I don't know anything about game code or like how to develop a game, but it seems to me like that's out there, right? Like you can download Pinnacle Station on the Xbox marketplace. You can't like get the code from that. I don't know, but it's just a crazy thing to me that like this part of a game that was like released for money should have been somewhere like where they had a backup of it. Yeah, I, can't, I, yeah, just, I think that's the biggest thing. I just can't believe they don't have a backup of it. But everything has been redone. They're reworking Mako controls to make that feel better. They're reworking how Mass Effect 1 plays with like the menus and the inventory and stuff to make it more in line with uh, the trilogy as a whole. Uh, they're also letting you play as uh, the Femshep from like the trailers of Mass Effect 3 or whatever is going to be back carried to 2 and 1 as well. So now you can keep the same appearance. Uh, they're also adding a different, um, all the appearance options from 3 back to 1 uh, and 2 as well. So you can keep that same character throughout. They also talked about elevator rides because obviously that's one of the memes from the first Mass Effect where elevator rides could take, the, take upwards of a minute. Um, and they did include like some dialogue, make the time go by faster, but it was still like, a really long loading screen hide in the remaster. They showed it to some press and they said it loaded within 12 seconds. So sometimes it was even faster than the dialogue that was there. So you can actually like stay in the elevator to finish the dialogue. Um, or you can just like press a to skip it and get out of the elevator super quick. And they showed a side by side. It's literally like two minutes compared to 12 seconds. So, you know, I'm excited for that. It'll, it'll be kind of like Master Chief Collection where you load into a screen and it'll be like, do you want to load it into Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3? And then obviously you can carry your save forward or they have the option to do the, the little comic book opening where you choose the thing. So if you want to jump straight into 3 uh, but still make the choices for 1 and 2, you're still able to do that. Um, I'm just I'm super excited because Mass Effect is one of my favorite series played each of them like a couple of times each when they were like, you know, out and whatever, but I haven't played them within the last like three, four years. Uh, I started to do a Mass Effect 1 replay like 2019. I got like 10 minutes in and I'm like, is I can't do this right now because it's it felt so like dated. You know, now I can just wait for the Legendary Edition to come out. Um, and I actually... I wasn't able to carry my character all the way through because I played Mass Effect 1 on 360. And then I played 2 on PC because I had a good PC at the time. And then for 3, I played back on uh, 360 because it had the multiplayer component and I wanted to play with friends there. So I jumped my character back and forth and I had to use the comic book to get my saves across. But now I can just go like in a straight shot. This is the character I'm playing the entire time. So... I'm I'm super excited and Zach, we actually talked about doing a series of podcasts where we each play Yeah. Maybe like we dedicate a month to play Mass Effect One and then at the end we get back and we discuss everything about the game and then yeah. do the same for two and three. So Yeah, because I've never played any of the Mass Effect games, so it'll be it'll be interesting for I think people who have played it before, like Pat, like they're gonna get somebody with like a fresh take on it who's never played it before, like even like some of the memes and stuff from like Mass Effect, I don't understand. I I had zero seconds of play time on Mass Effect, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. And now that there's a legendary edition, I, I there's really no excuses there. 
not at all. And this is so vital because uh, they, they've already, they had that little screener with like, I mean, Mass Effect will continue. What was the the tag in that, in like the Game Awards where they had the trailer with Liara? Um, I'm pretty sure his Mass Effect will continue. And then they announced Legendary Edition. So I think they'll be using this as like a jumping off point, kind of like how Master Chief Collection did, where you're playing through the the trilogy again, but there's a framing device in there where it's in Master Chief Collection, it was uh, Locke getting told the story from Arbiter of what Master Chief was doing. And then now you're replaying the game. And then there's like a cutscene that explains it or whatever. So it leads right into five. Um, I think this will be a good thing. Maybe there's a framing device that'll lead right into whatever, you know, Mass Effect 4 or whatever they end up calling it is. But I'm super excited. Uh, indoctrination theory all the way. Uh, Zach will know what I mean in by the end of this year, I assume. I have by no that, idea what you're talking about right now. Just indoctrination theory is real. That's all you need to know. I'm literally on the website. It's a GameSpot right now where they have screenshots Uh of the original mass effect and the legendary edition. And there's a little slider you can move back and forth and it'll show you like the improvements that's been made. And I've just been doing that this entire time, like since this podcast started and it's, it's crazy. Like how much of a difference like lighting and better textures make. I'm super excited. So I guess moving on to uh, our topic of the show today, we're going to be discussing a uh, consolidation in gaming, basically kind of, since we last got together for the pod, there have been a couple of like mergers and acquisitions that have occurred in the gaming industry. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through and talk about those. The most notable one uh, was EA's acquisition of the mobile game studio Glue Mobile in a deal that was worth $2.1 billion. Uh, so numerically, it's one of the biggest game acquisitions ever. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with kind of mobile gaming in general or what Glue Mobile does, they're responsible for developing games like Diner Dash. Uh, Sorcerer's Arena, WWE Universe, and uh, Deer Hunter, uh, just to kind of give you guys a, f- a few examples. Uh, Glue reported earnings of over $1.32 billion last year, and this move clearly indicates EA's desire to expand their mo- their mobile gaming portfolio uh, to kind of get involved with more uh, like casual or mid-core gamers or people that like strictly do mobile gaming or stuff like that. So it's kind of a another audience that they want to uh, expand into. Um, other acquisitions that occurred uh, back on February 3rd, uh, there was the announcement of the merger of Embracer Group and the Gearbox Entertainment Company, and that was a deal worth up to $1.3 billion. Um, that's set to close in the next three months, uh, so they're pretty late in the game uh, as far as that uh, merger is concerned. Uh, the acquisition of Gearbox by Embracer Group really does bolster their development and publishing studios and or development studios and their publishing capabilities um, as Gearbox will be bringing AAA studios and a pretty robust uh, IP portfolio as well. Yeah. With Borderlands and you know, everything else Gearbox has done. Uh, it's interesting because the new story I saw was like, it's, it's not like Embracer group approach them. Right. It's that Gearbox wanted someone to buy them. And they, I think, approached Embracer Group. And Embracer Group has like 80, 90 games in development because the sheer amount of stuff that they've bought in the past like three, four years is insane. So uh, they also acquired Asper Media, right? Yeah. Uh, That actually also happened on the third. So I I don't know if it kind of like flew under the radar or anything like that, but they did acquire Asper Media uh, for a day one purchase price of $100 million. Asper Media is a development studio most known for their work on the Borderlands and Civilization series. Uh, 
and kind of more details into like what their acquisition means, uh, Aspir will be a standalone entity under Saber Interactive. And their parent company is THQ Nordic. So they're kind of falling under that big umbrella. Yeah. Like so, Embracer Group owns THQ Nordic, mm-hmm. which, you know, they've also owned all these other things. So Embracer yeah. Group is like the big umbrella corporation, uh, not from all these other- Resident Evil. Like they're covering everything umbrella, not Umbrella Corp themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> But uh, it's interesting because Chance, in our prediction podcast, predicted that, you know, THQ, when we talked about like, yeah. oh, there's the rumor of uh, KOTOR the remake. KOTOR remake happening and, you know, who do we think is making it? And he's like, THQ Nordic. Yeah, he pulled it out of his ass. This is completely unfair. Just jokingly, <laughs> yeah. And the rumor going around is that, like, it is Asper Media that's doing it because they've also uh, redone uh, or they were responsible for the KOTOR remakes on... Uh, or KOTOR releases on iPhone yeah, and yeah, the ports Android and everything. And Asper and, like recently hired ex Bioware employees. And then also during the announcement of this acquisition, uh, Embracer Group is also like, yeah, they're working on a really high profile license game with a budget of like a hundred million or whatever. And that's a pretty big budget for, you know, a game that's licensed. So people right. are like, Oh, is that a star Wars game? And then, you know, connecting the dots it's pretty likely that they're the ones who are doing the remake of KOTOR. I mean, which, I guess that's, I guess that's why chance is the Nostradamus of this podcast, but like that was completely unfair. He just pulled that out of his ass. It's just blind luck. Right? Like, <laughs> there's there's he, no actual logic behind that. Kind of like in regards to like, okay, like this is great. Like these acquisitions are happening. And like, what does that mean for gaming? Um, it it kind of got us discussing it in our Slack, uh, kind of like the role that consolidation is having on the gaming industry. And there are loads of video game publishers that have existed. And um, a lot of them, like if you just Google video game publishers, you're going to find a lot of ones that have been defunct. Um, That just kind of happens in the industry. And of note, if you kind of look at uh, G2 and kind of how they describe prominent video game publishers, currently there's 13 essentially like prominent video game publishers remaining. Uh, the list was off really quick. Those are Activision, Blizzard, Bandai Namco, Capcom, EA, Konami, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sega, Sony, Square Enix, Take-Two Interactive, Tencent Games, and Ubisoft. So those are like the 13, like what they describe as prominent video game publishers. Like yeah. The top so the interesting thing about that is if you had asked, you know, the, the top publishers last year, Bethesda would have been on that list. They would have been on that list. The reason they're not is because they were acquired by Microsoft. So that's insane. Like a a major publisher was bought and that's like, there's still rumors going around that, you know, Microsoft is still in the market looking for other acquisitions just Mm -hmm. to keep a a steady stream of game pass games going. Um, I know there's the rumor that Sega, you know, they were going to buy Sega, which Zach lost a pizza bet on. I still think that's going to happen. It might. I mean, I didn't think Bethesda was ever an option. Like Bethesda had an E3 conference. They yeah. were a publisher with an E3 conference. Like they're not going to have an E3 that's conference. That's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Me. Yeah. Like, Even if you're looking in the last like five years, like the amount of video game acquisitions that we've seen um, mm-hmm. is insane. Like Microsoft obviously went on that spending spree. They bought seven studios, then they bought another two, and then they bought a publisher. And there's like no sign of them slowing down uh but they're not the only ones like sony bought uh insomniac games yep and then they recently bought like a i know it's only like a two percent stake in uh uh from software 
but obviously trying to like bolster that relationship because you know from software did bloodborne for them uh demon souls was an exclusive that they did so but it, it's it's insane to me like ea buying stuff now and i'm sure ubisoft is looking to acquire more studios based on like the amount of games that they want to release versus what they're delaying and stuff so it, it's insane that you know 10 years from now that list of 13 prominent publishers will probably be down to 10. You said five. You said five in the slack. Or five, you know. It's, it's not going to get numbers. <laughs> like, I, I understand that, yeah. I mean, but it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy that to think that there's really only like 13 video game publishers that are kind of like running the show right now. Yeah. And uh, that kind of like raised the question we were talking about. I was like, what, what does it mean uh, for the gaming industry? And uh, interestingly... Pat linked this in the um in the Slack. There is a uh, 2019 article that uh, Rock Paper Shotguns editor in chief Graham Smith wrote, uh, highlighting like the concern about this wave of consolidation that was like basically ravaging the game industry. And he, and to kind of like dive into his article, his point was that consolidation has basically led to like the demise of like several mid tier studios uh, who were like basically trying to go for like the silver spoon of big time publishers and he did to be fair to him note that he doesn't blame developers and publishers for doing that um because like you know video games cost money to make and funding is big for them but it does kind of raise the question is that is is this is there going to be really like five or ten people that are just kind of like running the show at the end of the day um and what that kind of means for us as gamers and stuff like that like obviously there's good good and bad to this like the good side if we'll start with the the good side video game development is a long process and you don't know how much money you're going to make at the end of it because it's all dependent on sales you know and launch time like your game can launch be the same game not make any money and then like four years later people it'll just blow up like among us or you know you could launch with all this marketing and this huge budget and then it just crashes and burns like anthem you probably have some idea about how well your game's going to do but you never know based on like market trends and what's going to actually happen. So making the game, you're using up all this budget and everything. You need to pay your developers. You need to pay, you know, for any engine you're licensing and all that stuff. And then you don't know how much money you're going to make out of it. So it's, it's always like job security is, is kind of like iffy, especially like less so nowadays, but we used to see before like studios would hire a lot of people as they're working on the project to finish the project. And as soon as the game launched, they would lay off a bunch of people to like, you know, move on to the next thing or whatever, or, you know, studios would shut down and stuff. So it does provide a decent bit of job security. If you're bought by like a major publisher that has the money to finance your next project, you're not constantly looking for funding. The other positive is that you can share game assets and, you know, engines and stuff because the publisher can provide resources to you. That's good. Uh, EA, all of their studios share one engine or like that was a mandate from EA higher up, which could be a good and bad thing. Obviously, it could be a good thing because, you know, you don't need to make a tree because that tree is already there made by someone else that you can just use. But that engine isn't necessarily great for every type of game, as we saw with Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, like Frostbite engine was not a good fit for that game, but EA was mandating to use it. So that's like kind of the bad side of it as well. You, you lose some of that creative freedom because now you're taking orders from somewhere someone higher on up. If they're like, okay, you were, I know you want to work on your dream project, but now we're you know hiring you to do 
Battlefront three. So now you have to work on Battlefront three. Um, even if you don't want to, that could be a bad thing. So there's good and bad to it. And I think the bad thing that, um, Graham Smith was alluding to, I think the biggest culprit behind that is EA, the amount of studios that they've acquired and then closed down. Um, most notably visceral games, the, the creators of dead space were bought by EA and then closed down after, you know, they, they were after dead space. They didn't really do anything. They were, they were working on battlefield three Endgame, army of two devils cartel. And then project ragtag, which was that, uh, Amy Hennig star Wars game that they canceled. And because they canceled that star Wars game, they had to lay off the people because they're like, you're not making enough money. Like, yeah, cause you're canceling their project. Like, um, it, it's just a shame. Like you can see these, these, uh, big companies not know how to manage smaller studios and they just end up leading to, you know, failed projects. And then now it's just the bottom line for them. And all these people are laid off. The studio shut down. Some of your favorite franchises are no longer being made because, a big corporation got involved in it. So it's definitely a good and bad thing. Uh, I think in certain cases it's, it's better. I'm not sure what I, how I feel about gearbox being acquired by embracer group. You know, we'll see as time goes on. Do you think that'll change anything for the borderlands franchise? Well, hopefully they, they know better to kind of just let a good thing go and let them keep doing their own thing. Hey, it's working just, have them do their thing and then make the money off of it. I'm hoping that's the mentality of most of these companies. I know that's probably not it. A lot of overseers like to kind of dip their hands into things, but if something's working, it's working well, leave it alone and just let it go. Yeah. I think the gearbox situation is a bit different though, because you're looking at a development studio that was like longing to be bought as opposed to, being sought out by the big time publisher which is like typically how it goes so i think it's a, it's a kind of an inverse of the relationship so it will be interesting to see how they go about like doing that relationship a little bit more details on the uh the gearbox situation i don't know if any of this is true but this is rumors from like people who are in the industry or whatever um apparently they approach microsoft for a buyout and microsoft is like maybe if Randy Pitchford is not involved in the studio anymore, because as we know, all the controversy that's been going around with Randy Pitchford, uh, there was some like thumb drive with porn found in like the parking lot or something. And uh, how he yelled at people at a press junket for Borderlands three, because he said, there's no microtransactions. And they're like, what are these microtransactions? He's like, no, I meant loot boxes. What the fuck are you guys trying to like mix up my words for or whatever? And they're like, we quoted you. What the fuck do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's definitely probably not the best person to be in charge of that. But I think that's why like the rumor is that, you know, Microsoft is like, we want you out. We will buy you out, but we don't want you here. Right. If we're going to buy you. And then he's obviously like, no. And I guess Embracer Group is okay with that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, they haven't done really much recently besides Borderlands 3. And Borderlands 3, like, 2 to 3 was like 7 years or something, right? It was a long uh, time. Maybe they just need to oversee them to make them meet deadlines or something. But yeah, it's it's definitely a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. It is a little worrying because uh, obviously you want more competition out there. If everybody like consolidates to whatever, then you're not really 
everything's going to be coming like it's going to be the same types of games yeah like that's the biggest thing like the parody of games is going to be different or is going to be lessened like like you're going to have a bunch of like open world sandboxes or yeah like a ubisoft game you know what yeah. it means when Ubisoft releases a game. That game's going to have towers or some sort of things you got to capture to like open up the map. Yeah. It's probably going to be open world. There are studios like that are capable of kind of staying true to themselves, hopefully. I mean, the game hasn't come out, but Hellblade 2 comes to mind. Like Ninja Theory was bought by Microsoft, but it looks like based on what we've seen so far that we hope that it's going to be similar linear storyline, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft is definitely uh, an interesting one because, as we know, they bought Rare, which was like a second-party studio for Nintendo for so long in the N64 generation. And then they bought them and kind of squandered them a little bit because, yeah, let's let's put you to work on a sequel to Perfect Dark that probably does not live up to the, the first game at all. Um, let's put you to work on Viva Pinata and all this stuff. Like, let's put you to work on. I think at one point they were working on the uh, the avatars for 360. Like, not even a game. So, early Microsoft before Phil Spencer, I think, was a very weird company in that they were you have to do stuff what we tell you this way or that way or whatever. But ever since Phil Spencer has taken over, it's interesting because if you look at just Obsidian, Obsidian is allowed to work on Avowed. But then they're also doing their side project of Grounded, which is a smaller team of what they want to do. And they can release it bit by bit, you know, playtesting and doing whatever. You know, I'm not sure what they're, what Double Fine's going to be working on after Psychonauts 2, but they're, they're given ample resources to finish Psychonauts 2, even though that game is coming out on multiple platforms based on a publishing deal that was already in place. Uh, I think there was that recent article saying like, uh, they couldn't add boss fights until Microsoft bought them and gave them the funding to add the boss fights they wanted to. So new Microsoft is looking a lot better, but you know, EA still has a pretty bad track record. I think same with like Activision, Activision just closed down uh vicarious visions who did Tony Hawk pro skater remake, right? They like closing down. They're moving those developers to work on Warcraft two remake or some shit. No, Diablo 2. One or the other. Like it, it, It's kind of like one of those things where like you, you, you recognize the value that somebody brings to the table. And then you bring them onto your team and you have them perform a different role than what you valued them for in the first place. It's kind of like, it's counterintuitive to the whole reason you brought them on. Like... I, I agree that like if you kind of look at like Microsoft, like I think they're doing a better job of it. But even still, sometimes like I mean that's just that's just kind of the thing. You 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 get them because you hope their talent can translate to what you want to do. Yeah. But it's like why wouldn't you just kind of let them do what you what made them successful in the first place, and then just fun, be there fund as a support. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like be be like the financial support they need, but let them like like don't hinder their creativity. Like there's a reason that you like them is because they they were doing something that you thought was very good. So don't bring them on and then just completely diminish what they've done. It seems counterintuitive. I mean, obviously, I'm not an executive, so I don't like make those decisions or understand the ins and outs of it. But like, it just seems counterintuitive. I don't, I don't know. We'll kind of see where where these acquisitions go. I think there there's going to be a lot more acquisitions. Um, I think Sony at some point is going to have to buy more studios to just compete with what Microsoft is doing, uh, especially if Microsoft is still in the market for it. We're going to kind of have like 
I think the mid-tier publishers are all going to be acquired by the top-tier publishers, and then pretty soon you'll have the the mid-tier games kind of drop out again. Uh, we kind of had that starting 360, 360 PS3 generation where you had a bunch of like AAA budget games. You had a bunch of like mid-tier games where you're like, oh yeah, I know this is the type of game that's going to be like not great, but it'll be good and like good for a weekend or whatever. And then you had a bunch of indie games that were like the downloadable. Uh, now, like starting 360, you kind of saw the mid-tier disappear with like a bunch of studios shut down and, you know, get acquired or whatever. And then now they've slowly started to come back like medium um, is kind of like a mid-tier game. What is the uh, the horror games that Man of Medan and what you call? Oh yeah, Little Hope. Little Hope, yeah. So Man of Medan and Little Hope is like those smaller budget games that are like you know they're not going to be like the masterpieces or whatever, but they're going to be good for the little time. Are slowly starting to come back, but I think in another five to ten years they're going to be gone again, and it's, it'll just be indies and AAA games. Do you so. think things like Game Pass can help with that? Because I feel like Game Pass is a good place for like those mid to lower tier, I guess, how we classify them games to go. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely think it's a great place. Like Medium is a perfect Game Pass Game Pass game. Right. Like, I I would be hesitant to buy that for fifty dollars. Uh, listen to my review, but it's totally like more than worth it to play on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed my time with it, and it's a really great starting off point. But fifty dollars would be a hard sell for me having already played the game, I probably would have bought it just because I was interested in it if it wasn't on Game Pass. But then I would have been like, was this worth $50? So I think the the narrative definitely shifts because um, now people who are playing it are like, yeah, it was enjoyable because I played it on didn't, Game Pass. Right, you didn't pay anything for it. You just paid a Game Pass subscription fee for it, which completely changes changes the game. But I, yeah, I guess like, if you kind of look at it in general, it is it does seem like it's trending in such a way where it's triple a and india and, and obviously the, this kind of stuff comes in waves uh like once all these like developers and stuff like get acquired and things of that nature i mean there's always indie developers that like kind of come up and like make their name and things of that and, nature so you know it's kind of like cyclical in nature too because yeah. you, you see developers who have made a name for themselves get acquired and then the lead you know, the studio leaves, forms his own new studio, right, and then exactly. makes an indie game or two until he or she get, gets their reputation built up to another like studio, studio that maybe. gets acquired by someone else. And yeah. it's just but, and, and also with cycle. that, it's uh, just kind of the way the gaming industry is. It's very, it's very fluid and it's very forward thinking. So we we have to give yeah, big props is, to developers for like being creative because it's going to get to a point where somebody a developer is going to do something that nobody's done before. And that's going to start a new niche and it's going to start a new trend. And, and that's kind of how this kind of stuff goes. Um, and like that, that that's the, just kind of the nature of gaming. So it'll always happen like that. I think we're just kind of in that, that kind of negative portion of the cycle, I guess, if we want to put a label on it being positive or negative. I, I don't even think it's negative necessarily right now. I think it's just we're expecting the worst. So hopefully, you know, everything pans out and these acquisitions lead to good games and the developers are happy. The publishers are happy and everyone's happy, but there's a possibility based on past experiences that won't always happen. So I think that's why we're a little worried. Yeah. That's that's the danger. So we'd like to have a little bit more competition and, you know, not everything being under one label or one publisher or whatever. Uh, What's, what would you say is the movie equivalent of this? You don't really see a lot of, I guess, animation studios getting bought by people is a thing, but you don't see like uh, 
Like people make the movie and then they sell it to right and, and, the and producer like that, or whatever. Yeah, like that's the thing because like the only the only thing that like immediately comes to my mind uh, when it comes to like like a studio or publisher creating something is like it's like Marvel. Like you know what a Marvel movie is going to be. What it kind of makes me think of is uh, have you guys ever seen Thirty Rock? Yes, but I did not finish it, and I don't know. That's why. okay. Uh, but but Alec Baldwin works for G, who owns a wig company, who owns NBC, and then like there's like all these weird trade-offs and like he's designing microwaves, but he's also helping out with this TV show. And it's just, uh, it's a, cl- it's a clusterfuck. And that's what it kind of reminds me of. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe streaming services. Cause like now it's like, you know, office is not on Netflix anymore. It's on Peacock. Peacock. Yep. Whatever South Park is, is not on Hulu yeah. anymore. It's on HBO max. Oh, they took it out. Oh, I have HBO max. As yep. well. I guess that's, but, but it's also like, but it's not quite like the same because like there's still a lot of overlap between the two or between the s- streaming services. I think I think the opposite of consolidation is happening in the movie and TV show with uh, streaming services because now it used to be like everything's on cable and then yeah. like Netflix and Hulu came out. And right. Like it it kind of like Plus broke down. There was like a dispersal. And HBO. And now it's like everybody and their fucking grandmother has a streaming service. Yeah. Like, and then you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to invent a box where all of these things are together. It's going to be almost now like there's cable. only one subscription that gives you all of these all of subscriptions. Cause right. we've made partnerships or whatever. Like that's fucking cable. Again. That's cable. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of similar to actually uh, very much. So kind of what happened with social media, like social media, you had like MySpace, and then you had like Facebook and then everything that Facebook could do like broke off like Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Vine. Yeah, and then it all broke off of Facebook. Facebook is acquiring different stuff. Like, didn't they buy WhatsApp or whatever? Yeah, they they bought WhatsApp. And like a lot of people in India and my parents use WhatsApp for like communication and like internet calling. And I use it for work. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's my Um, main work thing. Yeah, I mean, me and some of the guys use WhatsApp. I mean, WhatsApp is super popular. I just associate it with my parents because they're they're the primary people. Older Indian people (laughs) use WhatsApp a lot. And now they're integrating it with Facebook because Facebook bought them. So I, I just see a bunch of older Indian people are now like, I'm switching over to Signal. I'm like, what the fuck is Signal or whatever. So Well, a lot of the big thing was is there was like this huge like kind of privacy like agreement that people had to agree to. And it, and it was like super shady. To bring this back around to gaming. I'm not a fan of Facebook ever since they bought Oculus because now I think in 2022, if I want to use my Oculus, I have to connect it to a Facebook account. And I don't want to fucking do that. So in 2022, I'm going to have to sell my Oculus because I'm not going to be able to use it. So I'm going to switch over to the next generation of uh, VR that is not Oculus based, which sucks because I'm going to lose like the games I bought on the Oculus marketplace. But ever since I found that out last year, I've just been buying anything VR on Steam VR and you know Epic Game Store and stuff. But yeah, that's that's the thing I don't like about Facebook buying shit. Stay in your lane, Facebook. You're you're doing social media. Stop trying to buy <laughs> VR shit. What the hell are you doing getting into gaming? That's part of the media part. Like, if Google can't make it in this space, there's no way Facebook. Google is. was dead in the water. And I know Adam Bankhurst is a friend of the pod. And I know we've conversed and such. This poor man. This man was getting absolutely <laughs> roasted on Twitter. I felt so bad. <laughs> like all everyone who knew that he was like all in on Stadia was like, we're so sorry. And just like all the Twitter feed I could see was people like sending condolences to Adam. I felt so bad. 
But, you know, the, the, like, obviously, we're alluding to the fact that Stadia closed down all of its first party developers, first party studios. And now those developers are probably going to scatter off to other, you know, studios um, or somebody's going to create their own studio, which I'm no doubt is going to be acquired by somebody. So it's it's definitely it's an interesting topic. And I know we're kind of just saying it's both good and bad, but we don't know. But it's it's such like a a fluid thing. So and it, and it's not like a black and white thing. It's not something that it's like objectively good or bad. It has its pros and cons. I, I I don't necessarily like sitting on the fence about stuff like this, but we genuinely don't know. But to Pat's point that he said earlier, past experience would indicate that it doesn't typically end well, at least for the developers involved, uh, for the most part. And I think those are the and and, it, and it's interesting because I I like put it in the outline and we were like I was kind of thinking about it. If you're in a developer's position. You're, you're kind of put in an impossible place, aren't you? Because you're sitting there and you're like, I want the creative freedom to keep doing what we've done because I love what we're, I love what we're doing. But at the same time, being acquired is going to give us the funding that we need to continue to do what we want to do. And like that, that puts you in an impossible position, knowing you're going to have to sacrifice part of like the, the creativity that gives you that passion to be able to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's like a and tough position we've to actually, be in. We've seen studios start publishing as a way to try and get more money and like stay afloat and independent. Like uh, mm-hmm. Platonic just, I think yesterday announced that they're rebranding and they're going to be publishing games under the, you know, the, the, the people who did ukulele uh, X people who did uh banjo Kazooie um, Platonic are going to be publishing games. Now we, we've seen yacht club games uh, yeah. who have done shovel Knight. They yeah. recently published cyber cyber shadow. Yeah. And, uh, that I remember seeing that, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they were publishing stuff now, because I remember like Shovel Knight was big for them. So I was like, oh, wow, yeah. they're publishing. Not only did they publish that game, they also gave tips to those developers, like, hey, maybe in, in this level, take out this you know, boss here and put him over here or whatever. So that's like a more intimate publisher-developer yeah. relationship that you would have in, with like a major company or whatever. Right. But, so. but it is nice to see that, though, because then you don't... You, you get to keep that quality, you know, that like... And we've talked about it before. Sometimes our, like our indie developers and lower end studios, I mean, can create some of like the best narrative. And we're we're story we're we're big on story at least like here on the pod. Like I mean, the three of, of us. Chance yeah. not so much. Chance not so much. But I mean, there is something to be he told said me about. He hates like, stories. <laughs> no, that's not true. He does not hate stories. He does. He hates stories, He's, and he, he hates America. Oh my god! <laughs> this is so extreme. <laughs> Um, but I mean, there, there is something to be said about some of these smaller studios that like, because they're, they're able to take risks, obviously, because they're not, they're not under the big corporate umbrella and they're, they're able to do those things. And that's where some of like our best games and our best narrative come from is them being able to take those risks. But it's also good to see them get resources and stuff yeah. to, and, and to and expand the, on those ideas. Right. Like, that's talking, the double-edged sword. Like talking about Ninja Theory, have you seen their new, like the the screenshots that they're releasing side by side with like real life. Like you cannot tell the difference. So I know their lighting engine is insane. Yeah. So Pat was linking some pictures and it's it's, like, it looks better than Mara. Yeah. Is is another side game, like a project that they're working on uh, is going to be another smaller game and it takes place all in an apartment. And what they're doing is they are scanning every piece of furniture, you know, dust, whatever in this, apartment that they're like setting this game in and creating it in the virtual scape and it looks 
fucking like they they literally have a picture side by side of a sink and a sink that they've created and you cannot tell the difference like i like they had to say like after i like looked at the two i had to look down and see like oh the one on the right is the one that we've made i'm like that looks exactly the same like it's insane and kind of kind of freaks me out like once we eventually get into like a true virtual reality realm yeah it probably took them a couple of months to make that sink and they probably couldn't have done that if they were, you know, trying if to they were, get yeah. funding. And right, like, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and that's where the double-edged sword comes in. It's like for them to be able to achieve those kinds of heights of like realism and like game development in in that respect, like they need the money to do that. So it, it would be nice to see more publishers keep that creative freedom for their developers while still funding them, as opposed to having them cater to whatever the publisher wants them to do. Um, yeah, as you were saying, like, is Game Pass a way we can keep this experimentation and stuff going around? Like, yeah, I, I definitely think so, especially for studios owned by Microsoft because they they want content on Game Pass. So right. they're like, yeah, you're working on a smaller game that'll only take a couple of years. Fucking do something crazy and put it out. We don't care. Yeah, it, it would. It's just nice to. It would just be nice to see like developers kind of have. It, it always sucks seeing a developer go under or get defunct. Um, because it's, it's not only, uh, the, the gamers like us that like miss like playing the games and stuff like that. It's the people who work in those studios who like passionately create those games and do they land on their feet? Sure. And do they get picked up by other developers? Sure. But not all of them do. And there's something to be said about like the dynamic that like that group has. So it's like, it's kind of tough on everybody when, when a developer goes under. And it's always disappointing to see that because like, it, it's almost like you lose. It's almost like you lose the IP with it too. It's just like, oh, well, this sucks. Like this game isn't going to be made anymore. So, but I know. Yeah. When I was doing research for this, there, uh, Lionheart was it Lionheart Studios, I guess, like went under. Lionhead. Uh, Lionhead. Um, that was the Fable. The Fable. Creators. Yeah. I was like. So does that mean they've been like revived or who's doing the new fable? Uh, it's playground, playground, games, the people, who, playground games. That's right. Yeah. They, they did uh Forza horizon. Yes, they, they, yeah. they uh, ramped up. They have a second team now and they're doing that. Okay. I, I couldn't remember who, who yeah. was going to be, be doing that game. So I was doing research on, it. I was like, Oh, does that mean they're back? I guess I could have just eased. Yeah, I mean, in the Xbox one, like beginning of the Xbox one generation, there was a shit ton of canceled projects from Microsoft. Like that fable game that was asynchronous multiplayer fable legends. I believe um, there was a, that dragon game that chance was super into or like it's, it's a bunch of like teenagers with like hipster teenagers, but then they like have dragons or whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. But I can't. I can't for the life of me even recall. They had that, that trailer at E3 uh, when the when they announced the Xbox, and Chance was literally like up, like jumping up and down, like yeah, I want to play that game. I <laughs> and mean, dragons like, are cool, man. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was such a Chance game because it was like anime inspired, like Japanese anime inspired, and then right. uh, it had dragons in it. <laughs> it's like the most I'm Chance sold. game I've ever seen. Oh man, I, I miss. It. Just thinking about E3. Phantom Dust. It, like, uh, they were going to remake Phantom Dust that was like mm-hmm. canceled. So, um, a lot of stuff early Xbox One generation kind of just went down the shitter. But they've kind of course corrected since then. And I think giving these studios freedom and putting stuff on Game Pass is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. Of these 13 prominent game publishers that we talked about, who do you think would be the next to be 
acquired. I, don't, I we don't necessarily need to say who would acquire them, but who do you think? Konami. 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 I don't think wants to make games anymore. They they want to focus on pinchinko machines and all that. So I think they're probably looking for a way to either get some sort of licensing agreement where they make like residuals off their franchises, or they want to sell everything in one go. Uh, I think the number just has to be high enough for them to be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, and I think the most, you know, out of all of these, who would buy them? Probably Sony. Right. What do you think, Rick? I would say Bandai Namco. God, in all my power, I really want to say Nintendo will buy Bandai Namco, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'd most likely be Xbox or Microsoft. Zach? I don't know. Looking don't at say the list. Sega and Microsoft. I, yeah, I know. Sega and Microsoft. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you guys would know more about it, I think, than I would. Would there be a possibility of like Capcom? I mean, it's weird to say, because like, so, I guess last year, if I would have asked you, would Bethesda be acquired? You guys would have slapped, slapped me and said, like, you're fucking psycho. Like Capcom, like with Capcom. I don't think so because Capcom is recently doing very well with the Resident Evil franchise and everything. So I don't think, especially with them doing like the schedule of new game remake, new game remake, and they have a huge backlog of old games that they can re-release and stuff. So I don't think they're in any danger right now. Yeah. Well, you never know, they know, could be presenting uh, themselves to publishers and be like, hey, look at us. Look at what we're doing. We have Resident Evil. Don't look at <laughs> We have Mega a lot Man. of games that will that would look good in Game Pass. <laughs> I mean, on that list, I mean, like, I think you guys nailed it as well. Like, either Bandai or, or Konami. <sighs> I mean, it, it would be, like, unimaginable, I think, for me to see, like, Microsoft buys acquired, like, Nintendo. Microsoft acquires Sega. I mean, <laughs> No, that would be. I think. I think it's safe to say. Actually, no. I don't even know if it's safe to say. But like the big three, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. I think it's safe to say they won't be acquired by anybody. But yeah, the only one who I could even see acquiring them would be Tencent Games, just because they are right. have infinite cash. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's. I think like like we said, and don't want to like rehash it for too much longer. It's an interesting conversation. Um. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Stuff to when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, you kind of realize you re- you realize that it it is good and bad or pro and con. I guess maybe good and bad is too strong of labels, but um, yeah. I mean, there there's been a lot of acquisitions, and I don't think that's going to slow down anytime soon, especially with the uptrend of the gaming industry. Like right. literally, when the uh, Wii U came out, people were saying, oh, consoles are over. No one's going to buy consoles anymore. And now we've had two generations of the fastest selling consoles ever. Gaming is only going up. And I think more money is going to get poured into making sure people can release games to meet the demands of all these new gamers. We will definitely be talking more about acquisitions this year, I think. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Do you guys want to do subpar subtitles? No, we can yeah. skip it. I know it's Chance's favorite game, and since he nailed that <laughs> prediction, um, yeah, let's wait for Chance. Do we want to do video game Tony questions? Yeah. Do you have one, Pat? I can get one. I got the last you one. Want one of us to pick one. Why don't you pick one, Zach? Ooh, I don't think Zach has picked one yet. The problem is, I don't. I want to pick a game that like would be difficult to guess, but like wouldn't be so obscure. I have my game. All right, what is it? <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> one question. <laughs> yes or no? All right. Um, 
Do you do you want to go first, Shrek? Was this game released after the year 2000? Yes. Is this part of the Xbox One PS4 generation? Yes. Good. Nice, Pat. Um, are, you, are you talking like years or like... When it was released, was it released for Xbox One PS4? And I guess you could put Switch in that because it came out the same. Okay. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, do we want to try and narrow down publisher or developer or do we want to try and do genre yeah let's let's uh let's try to do publisher that usually does pretty well and there's only a handful is it ubisoft no okay let's try and knock out a couple at once is the publisher of this game someone who had an e3 conference in the last five years yes so that narrows it down to one of the big three or bethesda or ea you want to ask if it's Mm -hmm. a multiplayer game yeah sure your turn question, right? Zach, uh, is, is, it, is it a multiplayer game? No. Is this exclusive to a console? Not anymore. Ooh. Interesting. So that either means that it's backwards compatible or it was something that was re-released. wonder if it's Capture um, the Rag. <laughs> well, it's not multiplayer. Oh, do we oh. want to ask if it's... Do we want to try and narrow down if it's like a, an action game or if it's like a racing game or something? Uh, first person or third? Yeah, there you go. All right. Is this a first person video game? No. So no multiplayer, no first person. Started off as an exclusive for one console and then went to the other one. Could probably narrow it down pretty well if we... It's third person. Uh, probably narrow it down if Is we Is this act- game part of a series? Like, are there multiple games in the franchise? No. Ooh. That's interesting. Yes. Was Anthem first person? And that's multiplayer too. Shit. The fact that it was on one console but then went to another means it's probably not Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo. It's probably EA. Do we want to burn a question on that or do we just want to assume? Well, if we burn a question Oh, unless it's Bethesda. Single player, third person Bethesda games? One-off Bethesda games. Do you primarily shoot things in this game? No. Should we see which console it, it first came out on? Yeah, best guess is probably either Xbox or PlayStation. Yeah, uh, right. was this game originally released for, uh, I guess, a, a console exclusive for the PlayStation Four? No, I will. I kind of want to give you guys a hint because I feel like an earlier question was a bit ambiguous. Then do so. It Which question? When you were asking about console exclusive. Like the generation. Oh, so maybe it's still console exclusive, just not. It's it's exclusive to a platform, just not to a generation. Yeah, it was exclusive to a, a specific console, and then was released on the other consoles. It's not in the same family, so it was it was released on a console, and then it was then later released on a competitor's console, and then it was released on, yeah. So it was released on, I kind of want to just tell you what it was released on, but I feel like that might give it away. But So it's still released I don't know how to... originally on the the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One generation, right? Or, or are you not including that? Are you counting the Nintendo Switch as part of that generation? Yes. Yes, then it did release in that generation. 
Okay, so it's probably originally on Nintendo, <laughs> and now it's on everything. And that's why I feel like I was like kind of lead. I didn't mean to lead you guys astray. It's kind of like that ambiguous. Is the Nintendo Switch a part of this generation? Okay, so what came to Nintendo and now is on everything? Um, Only one off. Resident Evil Four was originally released for the GameCube, and then it went to everything. As far as Nintendo exclusives that went everywhere, that's the but biggest culprit. It originally. It originally came out on Switch, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And so, what is a big game, or not? Maybe not. Even, it has to be from EA or Bethesda. No, right? Maybe because he said it's somebody who has an, an E3 press conference in the last five years. What Nintendo game would they publish somewhere else? Because I know Goose Game started off on Nintendo, and then but they don't have a went everywhere. The, that publisher doesn't have a E3 press conference right that was the question we asked yeah so whoever published this game has an e3 conference it's making me think goose game but but that publisher who published that it wasn't nintendo no and that publisher has to have had a e3 conference based on the questions Ooh, devolver oh shit you're right what did devolver have that's now on everything Oh shit! Okay, is there a time mechanic in this game? Yes. Uh, Katana Zero. Katana Zero. Yeah. Yes, it's is Katana Zero. Katana Zero. Okay. Yes, it's Katana Zero. <laughs> I felt bad because like you guys were like, did it release on this PlayStation or Xbox One generation? I was like, yes. And then you guys kept talking about PlayStation and Xbox. Like there was a Switch console. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I was sitting there for like a long time, and they're like, "Okay, good. Keep thinking Bethesda and stuff, and completely forget that Devolver had yeah, E3 I, conferences." Because yeah, as far as like an indie E3 presence, <laughs> Devolver is that. That is it. The second Rick started pointing like this, I was like, oh, "God damn it!" He remembered the Devolver had a conference. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot. Well, they Devolver, aren't subtle but... at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember, you can catch us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Uh, you can reach us with any questions, comments, or concerns, or uh, welcome back messages for Chance since he's gone. Uh, you can send those to the Untitled Gaming Podcast. Pending investigation. Uh, you can send those to the Untitled Gaming Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media. So we're on Twitter at TugPod, on Instagram at TUG underscore POD. Uh, we're on Reddit at RTugPod. And on Facebook at the Entitled Gaming Podcast. Uh, also, check out our Twitch channel. Um, that's twitch.tv slash tugpod. Uh, Pat did a playthrough of the medium on there, and we're hoping to do more uh, playthroughs on there as um, more big time games get announced. And then or we also. Old or, games, why not? Or old games, yeah, why not? Uh, and also, we ask that you guys subscribe and leave us reviews. That's five star reviews for us. Oh, one star reviews for every other <laughs> <laughs> I was just miles away. <laughs> I was like looking at you, Pat. Like, you gonna say something or what? <laughs> and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> I think it was the fastest he's ever said that. Give me a sec. <laughs> like you're roasting. You want to keep going? No, I know. Like, give me a sec. I'm gonna go throw up. I think. God, this vaccine sucks ass. Have some ginger ale or something. Ah, uh, I'll just throw that up too. I'll be right back. <sighs> Did you throw up? Yeah, I feel great. Is that sarcasm or? No, no, I actually feel way better. Okay, good. You just got to poop it out. Yeah, not quite that, but other side of the body. The front? (laughs) 